Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. It's Alec Manoa time. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Sample joined by Scotty Dubs, Scott White, and C.P.T. Chris Towers. Have a fun show planned for you today. We'll hit Manoa here at the top. Blue Jays' top pitching prospect, arguably, I guess, with Nate Pearson now, though. I've seen him move ahead of him in some prospect circles. Uh, getting Making his debut on Wednesday. How should you value Christian Yelich? I feel like he's one of the weirdest players right now, so we'll talk about that. Should you sell high on your Blue Jays hitters, Dynasty trade targets, Monday stuff, and a whole bunch more? What's up, guys? You said we're going to hit Alec Manoa. That would make us pretty much the first people to do that in 2021. So Plus, that'd be pretty impressive if we did. If we tried to hit Alec Manoa, I'm pretty sure he would just like choke slam all of us because I mean, there, there is no... <laughs> he's a large dude. He's a big boy. He's... He's large would, and in charge. I wouldn't be willing to stand in the box against him. <laughs> like, it just, no way. Like, I, I, I wouldn't even be able to see those pitches. And also, he has seven hit by pitches this season, including spring training. I don't want any part of that, man. I don't want part <laughs> yeah, that's someone true. who throws high 90s and is hitting dudes. That's like the only way he puts runners on is he hits them with pitches. Yeah, I, I, got, I got soft skin. You know, I moisturize. <laughs> I can't be getting hit by pitches. You look like someone who moisturizes quite a bit, Definitely Chris. not. I, I'm worried. You know, I got the bags under the eyes. I'm trying to trying to take care of my look. Yeah, well, yeah. when you go to sleep at 3 or 4 a.m. every night, it's, yeah. it's bound to happen. All right, let's talk about him. <laughs> Alec Manoa, one of the Blue Jays' top prospects and arguably one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. I've been listening to more Dynasty content now around the industry and... Uh, we had the Welsh on recently to talk about prospects, and he said Manoa's moved up there along with Logan Gilbert, who's already in the majors. I know James Anderson from Rotowire, who covers Dynasty and prospects. Uh, he now has Alec Manoa as his top pitching prospect in the minors, but the minors no long. He will make his debut on Wednesday against the Yankees, which is funny because he pitched five shutout innings against the Yankees in spring training with 11 strikeouts to zero walks. First round pick in 2019, Alec Manoa was big boy, 6'6", 260 pounds. I'll let you guys break down everything else. Scott, what yeah. is your expectations for Alec Manoa? He's 58% rostered. Is he a must-add in fantasy baseball? I'm pretty close. You know, we were getting, when we when we were tweeting about him getting called up Wednesday, we were getting, oh, should I drop this guy for him? And, and we said no a lot. So, you know, pitching being pretty plentiful right now in those shallower leagues. You may not have a spot for him. I imagine somebody in your league does. It's just not the somebody who's tweeting at us. We've gotten burned here a lot, really, since the start of 2020 um, by prospect call-ups. I, I feel like 
I feel like uh, there was a stretch beginning, a multi-year stretch beginning. I don't know if it was around the time Mike Trout got called up or around the time like Carlos Correa got called up, where, where basically every big prospect who got called up, not literally, but you know, a very high success rate of those guys coming up and delivering impact numbers right away. And the last two years, okay, really, we're just talking three months, right? 2020 and 2021. Most of the big prospects who've gotten called up haven't done that right away. There's been Cabrian Hayes, there's been Ian Anderson, but there there have been a lot more misses than hits. And I, I don't know if it means anything. Maybe it's just an unlucky stretch, but it makes me a little more hesitant to go all in on these guys. But I will say, Alec Manoa, um, I'm I'm feeling better about him than than Logan Gilbert personally. It's been a meteoric rise up the prospect rankings here. I, who did you say had him as his number one pitching prospect now, Frank? That was James Anderson from Rotowire. Okay, because we were just talking before the show. I didn't have Manoa even in my top 100 prospects coming into the season. Baseball America didn't have him in its top 100 prospects. And MLB Pipeline didn't have him in its top 100 okay. prospects. The like, Blue Jays number eight prospect in baseball prospectus and fan graphs. Yeah. Now... He was amazing in spring training, as I pointed out when I talked about him earlier this week, and I think that's really what caused everybody to move him up. You mentioned what he did specifically against the Yankees. Uh, overall, seven innings, 15 strikeouts, no walks. Uh, I think it was just one hit allowed, right, in, in those seven innings. And then you look at what he's done in the minors, 27 strikeouts in 18 innings, only three walks, seven hits. I wasn't joking when I say the main way he puts runners on is hitting them by pitches because there's so few hits and walks allowed. Big guy, big fastball. The slider is is great. Apparently, he studied like Dylan Batances' slider uh, through pitching the Pitching Ninja account because he's like, yeah, he's a I'm a big guy like him. Uh, maybe that's how I should learn a slider. And he also studied like Chris Sale and and developed a really good slider from doing that. And I, I don't know exactly when that happened in his development. He's made all of nine professional starts so far, not counting spring training. So, you know, I think just the not seeing him much is why he was left off so many prospect rankings. But the point is, he's looked really good in every context this season. And uh, and suddenly he's coming up. So we'll see how it goes. But there's obviously, I, I think, I think, it, I think he will stay if he's not a disaster. I think part of the rise for Manoa in prospect rankings right now is the fact that the top pitching prospects coming into this year, outside of Logan Gilbert, who was very good in the minors, and that's why he was called up, Mackenzie Gore has not been good in the minors this year. He's really struggled with repeating his delivery and control thus far. Matt Manning has been giving up a ton of home runs for the Tigers. So I think just by the process of elimination, these guys taking a little bit of a step back, Alec Manoa, what he's done has been able to rise up some prospect boards. And I thought that your points got about prospects recently not performing, not a very Mm -hmm. high success rate, makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense because if you look at last year and this year, I mean, these guys have been playing at alternate training sites. They haven't really been playing in the minors. And I think it makes sense that, you know, like we haven't really talked about this in general, but it makes Mm -hmm. sense that prospects aren't hitting at the same rate they did before because they have lost so much development time. I can't simulate real game competition. Exactly. Like that's just like... It doesn't matter how close you can have an umpire out there and you can get a manager tossed from a game in a simulator. Mm-hmm. Like you can do all these things to simulate, but the, the fact of the matter is you're dealing with guys that you've been practicing against, guys who've been seeing you every single day for weeks. There's just 
That's it's not the same thing. And and so, yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And, and I think what happened last year is the timeline got accelerated on so many because mm-hmm. we, we saw a lot of prospects called up during a two month span. It was it was like, let's get, the, let's get in six months worth of prospect call ups yeah. in two months, guys. Yeah. And uh, but, you know, even I'm, I'm even thinking like Nate Pearson, who seemed like who seemed like as finished a product as it kind of seems like Alec Manoa is now. I, I don't know that I make anything of it. I, I, I just thought it was worth pointing out that it feels like we've gotten burned a lot more by these guys recently than we have, I don't know, in, in the past five, six years. I've been doing this long enough that I remember like the, the standard trajectory for a prospect used to be uh, he gets called up. You expect he needs a lot of on-the-job development. It's going to be a couple of years before he really mm-hmm. meets his upside. But that, and that, that is changed a long-term, in the past few years. That's a long-term trend. You know that yeah. that is. There's been a lot of research done to suggest that. You know, the last couple of seasons aside, mm-hmm. I haven't seen whether that's changed. But generally speaking, players are really good earlier mm-hmm. now than they ever have been, which is you know a testament to developmental standards that have changed and just teams investing more in in the minor league developmental prospect process, you know, with, um, with Manoa, it's really interesting. Cause like we were mentioning, he wasn't necessarily this can't miss prospect coming into the season. And you, you read about him and he spent multiple years working mostly as a reliever in college at West Virginia, um, became a starter in 2019 as a 21 year old, had an awesome season, really big dude, six foot six, 260 pounds, is what he's listed at. And there's been a lot of, concern about him as a prospect about whether he would end up being able to hold up as a starter just because of you know one his size whether he'd be able to go max effort for six or seven innings and also just his repertoire he you know his he was a fastball slider guy coming in he apparently has developed the change up to the point where it's considered a a viable pitch he made one start in front of the stackcast uh, cameras in uh, spring training was against the Yankees. He threw 44 pitches. Seven of them were change-ups. He got one swinging strike. So, you know, not not necessarily overpowering there, but five whiffs on 11 sliders, three whiffs on 20 fastballs. Uh, average 95.5 with the fastball, 24.68 average spin rate. That is really, really high. So it could be a high whiff uh, slider. One thing I will point out, this was the Yankees starting lineup. Talkman, Voigt, Bruce, Frazier, Dietrich, Higashioka, Wade, Estrada, and Greg Allen. Not exactly their best starting nine, although I guess like three or four of those guys are currently starting for them now because a lot of things have gone yeah. wrong for the Yankees. But I don't know. It, it's weird. We just don't have a lot to go on here. You know, yeah, it, yeah. it's really hard to make a statistical case either way about a player who's thrown 35 innings as a professional. Yeah, and, and I do think I, I do think the part that we need to mention there, and, and what's going to be the biggest drawback to Manoa, even if he's awesome, is that there's going to be a limit on how much they can use him. Like it, it's that he's been going six innings at AAA suggests to me he'll probably be going six innings in the majors to start out, but like that means there's going to be a hard cutoff at some point. Yeah, it, it, and his pitch counts were eighty-one, seventy-six, and ninety-four. No, yeah, maybe. So, maybe yeah, maybe he won't even go six then. Yep. Uh, real quick, let's put a bow on this conversation, but how much fab would you guys spend in a 12-team league on him and how much in a 15-teamer? 20-ish percent. 
in a 12 team, 25 in a 15 or if I need pitching. Okay. So basically as aggressive as you were being with Logan Gilbert, Chris. Yeah. I, I it seems like the upside may be higher for, for Manoa. I'll throw a few names your way. You tell me if you would drop them for Manoa, Madison Bumgarner. I don't think I would. I think I would, but I, you know, I don't think it's like a, a must do. If it was like a 10 teamer, I might do it just to mm-hmm. go. But otherwise, I don't think I would. Anthony DiScofani, who allowed 10 earned runs on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. How about Matthew Boyd? Absolutely. Yeah. How about Logan Gilbert? Yeah. Yeah, no. probably. It, it, I mean, it. it's kind of dumb. I you know, agree. like, he was the guy we were all excited about. He's made two starts, and now we're like, ah, next guy. This is like classic. <laughs> uh like prospecting, but that's I guess the way you got to play it sometimes. Yeah, that you do. Yeah, that, that's exactly the case, especially just, in shallower redraft leagues, right? Yeah. Which you know, a lot of the time is what we're talking about. But look, if you have Logan Gilbert in a deeper league, you hold him. Obviously, you have him in a keeper or dynasty league. Like we're not completely fading Gilbert anymore. It's just you know, in shallower redraft, you you can be more aggressive with these moves. Let's take a look at some Monday standouts. Oh my good goodness gracious! How about you get us started here, Chris? Yeah, the you know when we do this segment, it's always like, oh, this starting pitcher had twenty one swinging strikes and twelve strikeouts, and it's like you know, hitters count two guys, and they can have big mm-hmm. games, and we can talk about them too. So let's talk about a guy who has been one of the most pleasant surprises in baseball, Joey Wendell. It has just been an absolute joy on the teams where I added Joey Wendell early on to have him on my team because he's the one hitter who's just been good all season. In the entire league. Uh, he went, what, three for four today? Three for six? <laughs> Scott, what was it? At least three hits in four of his last eight games. Um, that been is awesome exactly it. So far this season. He's hitting over 300 now. Uh, and it's really been very consistent. There was a stretch in late April, early May, where he was a little off. But for the most part, he's been hitting right around 280, 290, 300 for every stretch of the season. Yeah, three for four. Hit his sixth home run, four RBI today. Hitting 310 now. Um, I don't think Joey Wendell's a superstar. I don't think he's going to keep posting a 916 OPS, but he puts the bat on the ball. He's hit at least, was it 280 in three of the last four seasons? Yeah, 286 in four of the last five now. I think Joey Wendell's just pretty good. I don't think he's a star, but he's got speed. He could steal 15 to 20 bases. He could hit for a, a high average. Yay, Joey Wendell. Way to go. <laughs> uh, Scott, your oh my goodness gracious player from Monday. Austin Gomber. Ooh. Is Austin Gomber good? There's more reason to believe he is. So it, it doesn't look like this two-start recommendation is going to be a disaster this time. He's He kicked off the week in fine fashion. Best start of the season, actually. Eight innings. Two earned runs allowed, no walks, eight strikeouts, 18 swinging strikes. That's a season high. I didn't check to see if it was a career high, but it wouldn't surprise me. 18 swinging strikes, nine on the slider, which was his third most used pitch, actually. Um, so, yeah, I'm, really, it, it's, it, it seems like he's turned the corner here in May, and, and specifically with the walks. In five May starts, he's issued three total walks. In five April starts, it was 19 walks. So that's that's pretty much all the difference right there. But 297 ERA in those five May starts. Uh, actually, 
about a 13% swinging strike rate, which is really good. So he's showing more skill than I feel like he ever should with the Cardinals. Obviously, there's the big issue of where he plays his home games. But he might be... I know John Gray's been pretty good this year, but I, I kind of feel like Austin Gomber's the most attractive Rockies pitcher right now, and I'm including Herman Marquez in that mix, who actually just dropped in a 15-team league. Mm. Austin Gomber, it's worth mentioning, I don't want to take anything away from him, but going up against the Mets lineup, which is just completely lost right now, more bad news on Monday that Conforto and Jeff McNeil are going to miss a, another month. They're not expected back until late June at the earliest. So uh, it's not a good lineup. They're 27th and weighted on base average in May. Um, you're you're being far too kind when you say <laughs> it's not a good lineup. It's very bad. This is right <laughs> now the Mets. The Mets lineup today was not major league caliber. They had Jonathan VR, Francisco Lindor, James McCann playing first base for the first time as a professional. Actually made a really nice play. He did on the first batted ball he saw. Uh, Dominic Smith. So the top four are all major league players. Thomas Nito, Jose Peraza, Cameron Mabin, Joshenwi Fargus, who was replaced by Khalil Lee, who did strike out again. Yeah, th- this bad. was one of the worst lineups a starting pitcher is likely to face. It's very season. bad. Oh. Yeah, and and to, to give it more context, since I said he's the most usable Rockies pitcher, like Gomber or Manoa? Definitely Manoa. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think any Rockies pitcher is in the top 60 right now. Maybe right. not the top 70. All right, my oh my goodness gracious player from Monday Blake Snell, man, what is uh, what is going on with Blake Snell at the Brewers, which is supposed to be a pretty good matchup itself. No Christian Yelich in the lineup either, although Kesson Hero was back. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Three and two-thirds, five earned runs, did have seven strikeouts, three more walks for Blake Snell. The swinging strikes were fine. They were actually very good, 18 on 81 pitches, but he has gone less than five innings in three of his last four starts. And I noticed coming into the start, his first pitch strike percentage, his chase rate, his swinging strike rate are all four-year lows for Blake Snell. He's up to five and a half walks per nine, which is by far a career high. 4.50 ERA, 1.52 whip for Blake Snell. I kind of just want to marry him to Luis Castillo in the rankings and just have them follow each other around and, and... you know, hopefully, if one gets better, the other one will get better. But I'm just going to keep lowering both of them until they show me something. Because, yes, Blake Snell went six his last time out. Sure, that was a great start. But he's just not right right now. Like, Blake Snell's not right. And I don't think you should be starting him. Yeah, I, I have more hope for Luis Castillo, actually, to to be to become the impactful pitcher we drafted him to be. I just... I think, I think Blake Snell has a lot of raw ability. I just don't think he's going to tame it. I think there was that one magical year where he did. And we don't have a lot of evidence since then that he can be efficient enough. And it actually seems like he's headed the wrong direction. So I don't know. I mean, Blake Snell kind of seems like Dylan Cease right now, except even Cease. I I think uh, I, I wonder if he's more likely to take a step forward to becoming something bigger. That's actually a really good comp right now. They're both getting a ton of swinging strikes, good strikeouts, but they walk a lot of batters. So uh, I'm not going to low, lower Blake Snell you know, that far in the rankings yet, but I, I do think that you can leave him on your bench for the time being until yeah, like, he figures it out. Uh, because. I'll just point out that like before the most recent nine starts, the entire world was screaming at the 
at Kevin Cash for being such an idiot for taking out a stud pitcher like Blake Snell in the sixth inning. So you know he has he has upside. He has all the upside in the world, Chris. I won't argue yeah. that. I think he's a, a great pitcher when he's on, yeah. which he was in the playoffs. He was he had everything working, and when he has all four of his pitches working, I think he's probably one of the most unhittable pitchers in baseball. But right now. That is not working. That is not the case for Blake Snell. So he's got to get things figured out. I think you leave him on your bench for the time being. After a season full of drama and excitement, a Europa League champion will be crowned on Wednesday, May 26th. European juggernauts Manchester United are looking to make room in their crowded trophy cabinet for yet another addition. Meanwhile, Spain's Villarreal are competing in their first ever European final as they look to write their name in the history books and secure a spot in next season's Champions League. You can watch the match via Paramount Plus in the CBS Sports app. And for those of you wondering about the Champions League final on Saturday, yep, you can watch it at the exact same way via Paramount Plus in the CBS Sports app. All right, some news and notes from Monday. Byron Buxton could begin a rehab assignment by the end of the week if he's able to run without any issues. We had a ton of Padres news. Trent Grisham was placed on the IL with a bruised heel. Manny Machado has now missed four straight with right shoulder tightness. Denelson Lamette will start on Friday. He's been used in relief the past few outings, uh, though his velocity has not bounced back yet. So I still don't think there's a lot of... It hasn't bounced all the way back, but it's been better in relief. Fair enough. For the Mets, uh, Pete Alonso was expected to have a short stay on the IL. Carlos Carrasco... Might not be ready until July, which is weird considering he was built up to six innings in a sim game in early May. Uh, But maybe he suffered a setback and they're just kind of keeping it under wraps, not letting anyone know. But yeah, more bad news there on Carrasco. Jeff McNeil and Conforto mentioned uh, their hamstring strains are both significant and expected to keep them out until late June. Some Marlins news. Eliezer Hernandez pitched four scoreless frames at AAA on Sunday. He allowed two hits and no walks while striking out eight. He'll likely make one more rehab start before being activated next week. Stalling Marte will start a rehab assignment on Tuesday. Sixto Sanchez will throw a bullpen session on Tuesday. Jorge Alfaro was reinstated. Bryce Harper was out of the lineup for a second straight day, though manager Joe Girardi said it wasn't injury-related. Right. We believe you, Joe Girardi. Kesson Hero was recalled by the Brewers with a few lefties on the schedule against the Padres. He finished one for three with a single walk, run scored, and two more strikeouts. Where should Kesson Hira be rostered, if anywhere? He's 48% rostered right now. I've held on to him in 15-team leagues. I think I, I might have dropped him in 12-teamers that I have. There might be one left, but I think that's probably it. Like I'll, I'll write about him in the waiver wire column tonight. And You're just kind of hoping that... Here's the script. Rugnet Odor... Uh, when he first got called up, was a big-time prospect, struggled, got sent back down, and then came back, I think, in 2016 or, or 2015 and really took off and was a really good fantasy option. That's what you're hoping for. I, I think it was in 2016. He got sent down early on and was really good from then on, something like that. Yep, I could see it in a 12-team Roto League or deeper where you have a middle infielder if you need help in that spot. Still think he has some power, speed, potential, batting average, probably going to be on the lower side. Uh, But as we mentioned on yesterday's podcast, he was hitting well in the minors. He was just still striking out quite a bit. Again, the name there, Kesson Hira. Jesus Lozardo is beginning a rehab assignment on Thursday and could initially return as a reliever for the A's. Giancarlo Stanton took batting practice 
on Sunday and could return on Tuesday for the Yankees. Wilson Ramos was placed on the IL with a lumbar spine strain. Both Nelson Cruz and Jorge Polanco remained out on Monday, though I was watching that game in the background. I believe Polanco came on as a pinch runner, which is good news because he's dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, Phillies pitching prospect Spencer Howard will indeed make another start this week against the Marlins. Carson Kelly was reinstated for the D-backs, and Dalton Varsho was optioned back to AAA. Ty France was activated on Monday. He was playing first base and batting sixth for the Mariners. Brian Anderson left Monday's game with left shoulder soreness. Some other prospect updates, not named Alec Manoa. Uh, Joe Adele has five home runs over his last four games, but still has a 35% strikeout rate at mm-hmm. AAA. So I think they're going to mm-hmm. remain patient until he makes more contact. Hey, the Brewers called Hero back up despite that kind of strikeout rate at AAA. Yeah, it's for, for what it's worth, over that five-game stretch, his strikeout rate is only 21%. It's a five-game stretch, so doesn't really mean anything, but Adele, he's you're talking ball about? incredibly well overall. Yeah, you're talking about Adele. Joe Adele, Adele yes. Yep. Yeah, okay. Uh, Adley Rutschman is only betting 246, but has four home runs with a 21% walk rate at AA. Uh, what I found most interesting is that he has started five of 17 games at first base, which... If this is part of his long-term fantasy value that he's going to play first base when he's not catching, that could be absolutely massive for Adley Rutschman's value. So I just thought that was interesting and, and worth mentioning. Uh, Red Sox prospect Tristan Casas is batting 328 with four home runs at double A. He's hitting very well there. And Braves pitching prospect Tucker Davidson, who was here last week, uh, not here on the podcast, but he was uh, with the Braves. In my apartment, actually. We were hanging yeah. out. We got yeah. drinks. Yeah, yeah, they were listening to some Taylor Swift albums, yeah. and it was great. Um, Tucker Davidson, he threw a quality start last week against the Mets. He struck out nine over six innings of one-run ball in his latest AAA start on Sunday. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return... How should you be valuing Christian Yelich right now, both in redraft and dynasty? I think it's very interesting. We'll talk about it next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions if you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! So Christian Yelich returned last week, and since then he has sat two of six games. He was out on Monday against a lefty in Blake Snell. Uh, He also was the designated hitter for the two games that were in Kansas City. I don't think this guy is anywhere close to healthy. And I think you see it in his production, or lack thereof, for Christian Yelich. He has a 35% strikeout rate on the season, including eight more strikeouts in 19 plate appearances since returning from the IL. Now, he did go two for four with a home run on Sunday. I believe that game was in Cincinnati, so a good park to hit in. Not going to take anything away from him, but maybe you use something like that if he strings a few games like this together just to try and sell Christian Yelich to get something in return. Maybe he plays the rest of the year. I mean, this kind of came back to bite me already once, literally, with Fernando Tatis biting a hat, eating a hat, but I, I just don't think Christian Yelich is healthy, and I think this back injury is something that is chronic, and it's going to continue to hamper him. So Mm. what do you guys think? 
I think it depends Maybe. on where your team is. I think if you're in first place, trading Christian Yelich probably makes a lot of sense because you, when you're already ahead right now, you probably want to start minimizing some of your risk and you want to start looking for, you know, making sure that there are fewer ways for your season to go wrong. But if you're in like 10th place and drafting Christian Yelich was a significant part of that, I don't think you're likely to get anyone back who could have helped propel you up the standings quicker than a healthy right Christian Yelich would. Now, maybe you just specifically target other guys who are off to terrible starts, but I think if you if you need a long shot play, hanging on to Yelich is probably the right move. What do you guys think that you can get for Christian Yelich right now? Well, that's what I was going to ask because I've I've kept him in my top ten outfielders for my rest yeah. of season rankings, and you know we just talked last week about. Uh, I kind of had the the what what the first two rounds of of a draft would look like if we were drafting from now for the rest of the season. And I had Yelich with the last pick there of round two, although, I mean, I I said I didn't feel great about it. I, I I'm with mm-hmm. you in that. I I don't really know. This is this is a head scratcher situation because I I I agree that what's wrong with him is probably health and and back issues can really linger it can they can linger forever uh you know todd helton became a different player because of back issues for the the second half of his career and um i, I don't i'm not going to say that's what's going to happen to yelich I, I just don't know and uh but we also know it, what the upside looks like the upside is arguably the best player in baseball yeah so and i still think he has that upside yeah. To be clear, like yeah. I, and he's crushed the ball over the last couple of seasons, just like he mm-hmm. did at his very best. Yeah. It's just right. He hasn't I mean, made everybody as much contact as a- and he hasn't been on the field. That's why it's such a risk reward situation, right? Because th- there's like kind of a fork in the road, right? With Christian Yelich right now, where he can go on to, okay, you know, they're, they're slow playing it right now with him. And, and maybe over the next couple of weeks, he actually does legitimately get back on track and he's healthy. And he performs like a, one of the top five hitters the rest of the season. That That is within his range of outcomes. Yeah. Or he can tweak his back and, and he could be shut down for the next two months, right? Like, I, I do think, I do think I probably need to move him out of the top 10 outfielders. I, if I was redoing that exercise today, redrafting for the rest of the season, I probably should leave him out. Uh, because, you know, I think about some of the outfielders I have behind him, like Nick Castellanos. Uh, like, would I honestly trade Nick Castellanos for Christian Yelich? I, I, I can't see myself doing that. Um, I don't know exactly where the line. Aaron Judge. So I lowered um, him. I lowered him. I'd rather the, have Judge. Yeah. Than Castellanos. Well, I wouldn't. I but do still have Yelich slightly ahead, but I, I have no way of like I can't. Yeah, I have to move him down. But right, because like, I I think that's what the exercise should be. Should I trade this outfielder for him? And outfield's pretty weak, so you probably don't have to go that far down the rankings yeah. before. Like Jared Walsh or Christian Yelich, I'd much still rather take Yelich. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You know what I think would be interesting if you were kind of if you had Jesse Winker, right? Like that's the ultimate sell high situation to try and. Yeah, and I would do that. Give yourself a boost rest of the season, like trading away Winker to get Yelich. Winker has a ton of injury risk himself based on his history, obviously. So 
I don't think I do that if my team's already great, though. Like maybe that's where the line is. Like I, I probably have Winker, or I probably will have Winker and Walsh probably right next to each other in my rankings, and I might, I might slot Yelich right in between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think you can get Kyle Tucker for Christian Yelich right now? I don't think there's any way. Yeah, no. you think that that ship is set? Maybe three weeks ago you could have, but yeah. I don't think so right now. Um, and like I think if you were going to move Christian Yelich. I would be looking for Marcelo Zuna plus or Francisco Lindor plus. I don't know if I could do that, but that would be what I would be looking for. Would be buying low on another player who someone is probably frustrated in who doesn't have either in Ozuna's case, doesn't have the name cachet that uh, Yelich does, but who I feel very confident will be good moving forward or Lindor. I think there's probably given the uh, given the the dominance of new york people in sports media i think there's probably a a heightened sense of lindor struggles so i, I think you might be able to get lindor plus for yelich but i think in either of those cases if it came down to lindor or ozuna for yelich i would probably do them I, i'm more confident in those guys turning it around than i am yelich i think i would still want plus I agree. Like I would want Ozuna plus, or even Lemayhew's one that comes to mind, right? Like Lemayhew plus to to get Christian Yelich right now. Uh, it's even. Yeah, I, I don't think Lemayhew's a top fifty overall player right now. Not right now, but I mean, like moving forward, rest of season. I, I don't. I don't think I view him. I, I'm not sure he'd be in my top seventy right now. Yankee hater, man. Uh, I think in dynasty, it's probably exacerbated even more, right? Because. It's probably just like what's the state of your team, but no, I think in Dynasty Yelich has more value. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I feel like it would be even harder to pull like because obviously this back injury could be long term. We saw, I mean, Kershaw basically dealt with a serious back injury for years. Now he has returned mm-hmm. to dominance, so maybe that is yeah. A uh, look, I, I mentioned Helton, Don Mattingly, famously, yeah, um, yeah, had his career ruined by back issue. I would That's actually the less be, likely scenario. I would be thrilled if Yelich followed the Kershaw career path. If I had him in Dynasty, like yeah, a couple of years where he was still an elite player, but only in seventy five percent of the plate appearances, and then like put it all behind him, like that would be awesome. That's kind of a best case. And it, to be clear, Yelich hasn't suffered some kind of significant, you know, injury. It's not like he has a fractured vertebrae or. You know, he hasn't had to have surgery on his back, you know. So it's it also may all just be premature. Mm-hmm. And it might just be that he's beat up but not injured, you know. Right. I would still bet on Yelich's career being several years in the future of him being a first-round caliber player. I would still bet on that. I I don't know what to expect for 2021. That's why I'm saying he still has more dynasty value. And, and I, actually, I, I had this tested in a dynasty-like league uh, that was drafting late basically last month. So we, a, a little bit's changed for Yelich since then, but Yelich was one of the most expensive players taken in, in free agency still. So, you know, al- almost, almost like nothing had changed value-wise. Yep, and, and let's stick with Dynasty here. We haven't talked about Dynasty in a while. It's a little bit of a lighter day here on the schedule. Uh, so do want you guys to come up with a few potential trade targets, one to buy, one to sell in Dynasty right now. So, Scott, I'll throw your way first. One 
of each that you're looking for in Dynasty right now. All right. Well, so there there was a reason. Uh, There's a reason Dilly, Dylan Cease was top of mind for me because he's my pick for a buy low in Dynasty League. I think he's so close. I think he's so close to putting it all together. His stuff has rated. He, he a few starts ago, he basically his stuff kind of turned a corner, and he became the the most. Uh, lively fastball in baseball, the most like the highest spin rate of anybody on both his fastball and slider, basically. And his swinging strike rate has been through the roof. His very last start, it wasn't very good, but he had 20 swinging strikes. That's two of his last three starts, 20 swinging strikes. Neither of them, the result was that great, but like he's missing a ton of bats and his stuff is rating really well. In a way, it hadn't in the past, at least not as measured in the major leagues. Uh, so I, I think. I think he's made strides here that haven't shown up in the stat line that clearly yet, um, but they're about to. And um, I think, you know, if you're if you're dealing with someone, uh, somebody who has Cease who doesn't know that, there's there's a chance you could get him. This this might be your last chance to get him at a discount. Fair enough. How about one that you're looking to sell? Yeah, um, so kind of coming up with that on the fly. I, I had thought about maybe Adolis Garcia just because he's he's starting to get, um, even me yesterday saying, I'm starting to believe in him more. I, I saw a poll from uh, Chris Welsh on Twitter today, who would you rather have rest of season, Jesse Winker or Adolis Garcia? And uh, Winker won by a pretty substantial margin, as he should have, but just that, that 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 somebody in the community was felt like he that that question needed to be asked, uh, and I think it's easy to overlook just how old Garcia is. He's twenty eight, so there's not much of a future here, uh, assuming he can maintain this from year to year in the first place. And you know, I feel pretty good about him maintaining close to this in twenty twenty one. But next year, all bets are off again. So, yeah, I, I'll go with him as my sell high. Chris, one to buy and one to sell in Dynasty right now? Yeah, one to buy. Um, I mean, I'll stick on brand and say Luis Castillo. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I know that we talk about him all it. the time, but I, I think that this is, if you believe in him, which Chris, uh, you basically have until you lowered him yesterday, uh, there is no better time. Like, if you believe in him getting yeah. back to like that top 15 starting pitcher, which he has been for... Know each of the past two or three years, or or close to it, uh, there is no better time than to buy Luis Castillo right now in Dynasty. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like Chris Paddock's in that category too, for what it's worth. Um, yeah, and he's sure. actually shown signs of turning the corner, but not Blake not Snell. in a way that's very loud. Blake Snell's a little bit tougher because he's had the arm issues the past couple of years, but uh, yeah, I mean, technically he is in that that mold. Uh, one that you're looking to sell, Chris? I want to say Trevor Rogers. I thought Funny about enough, it. I did trade him. Uh, you're just <laughs> like you're just saying that because you traded him to me. <laughs> I think Trevor Rogers is really awesome. I think he's a, an incredibly talented pitcher, but I'm not sure he's the future ace that he might be viewed as. Um, but I, I'm more confident in calling Kevin Gosman a, a dynasty sell high or someone like that, someone who is. Older, Gosman's not old, but he's 30. He's relatively established. I buy the changes he's made. I think he's good. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Joe Musgrave's another example of this where 
I'm not necessarily sure those guys are going to be great in 2022, 2023. Oh, you bite your you tongue, know. Chris. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you besmirch the name of Joe Musgrove? Uh, two bye candidates for me. Dominic Smith, I'm going to go back to the well. Uh, I, I liked him before the season. I don't think he's as bad as he's shown. The underlying numbers, the StatCast numbers for Dominic Smith, they have come down a little bit, but with the introduction of the Universal DH, we hope, starting next year and beyond, I think that's something that is that can help him stay on the field. Uh, and, and I do think... I don't, I don't think 2020 was just a complete fluke, so uh, I would be buying Dominic Smith if you can get him on the cheap. A prospect, a name to remember, Rowanzi Contreras. He's a pitching prospect with the Pirates. He came over in the Jamison Tyone trade. He's barely ranked inside their top 20 prospects for the Pirates. He's 20 years old. He's pitching at double A, so I mean, that's already pretty Very advanced for, that level, yeah. for, for a 20-year-old. He has 28 strikeouts to three walks across his first three mm -hmm. starts and has looked lights out. Uh, so potential. I, I think he, I think he like uh, he kind of figured out a breaking ball that he didn't have before. It was mostly just fastball changeup, and so the strikeout rate wasn't that good in previous stops. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's the story with Contreras. I wrote about him in the prospects report a couple weeks ago. Nice and some sell high candidates. I think Domingo Herman is one because he's not really young, and you know he's. He's obviously had his fair share of issues and he's kind of like threatened leaving the game of baseball multiple times already. And I mean, you might be able to just get like a Yankee tax on him uh, in return. And I think that he like, well, the numbers are great. He's had some really great matchups recently as well. Yeah, uh, I think he's fine. Yeah. Like moving forward this year, long term, I don't think he has much dynasty value. I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, you would have to find someone who believes that because I agree with you. I don't. I don't think he does. Uh, and any like old-ish starting pitcher. You brought up Kevin Gosman, Chris, but uh, even to like a lesser extent, if you can get anything for these guys, I don't know if you can, but like Alex Wood, obviously, and Kyle Gibson, and and names like that who are just overperforming. How about this one, Lance Lynn, who he had a, a very good start against the Cardinals on Monday, seven innings, one run, three walks, four strikeouts. Okay, that's whatever. 15 swinging strikes on 104 pitches. The ERA is down to 1.51. The XVIP is up at 4.28, thanks to a 47% fly ball rate. In five starts since returning from the IL, Lance Lynn has just 23 strikeouts to 13 walks. So that's not really a great ratio. Any thoughts? I guess this is for redraft too, but I kind of think Lance yeah. Lynn is a good sell high in both. This um, is who Lance Lynn is though. Like XFIP doesn't really mean anything for Lance Lynn. He's got a 393 career XFIP and a 351 ERA. And like fair. That was really true early on in his career when he was putting up pretty mediocre peripherals. It well, stayed true pretty much his whole career. Like it was very just, true last year. His, he's his, just and it was true in 2019, really. Yeah. You know, not to that extent, but, but, but Last year, I mean, the, the disparity between the, the 434 XFIP versus the 332 ERA, like that was one of the biggest yeah. conflicts between ERA and XFIP in all of baseball. And it's why I was, I mean, I ranked Lynn pretty high, but I was a little reluctant to, uh, to draft him. I, 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 since returning too, I, I, feel, I don't know if this is a thing, but I feel like he's had bad strikeout luck because the whiffs have been there. Yeah. Just he, the strikeouts haven't been there. And and I'll just put like his, here's his XERA in the stat cast era. So going back to 2015, 338, 392, 403, 335, 328, 258. So very good. He's just, he's really good on contact. That's just, he's one of those guys. Yep. Maybe this is my uh, 
this is my picture version of Chris Bryant, right? Where I just have the blinders on and I, I just, I continue to, yeah. to, to look too much into the underlying numbers when like, just take the numbers at face value. Right. And these guys yeah, are there, both really good. There's at some point with a, with a track record like that and with a sample size as large as it, and just those stats, you know, the expected stats or FIP or all that stuff, like it works for m- nearly all players, but there are Exceptions. a handful of players one way or the other who they just, for whatever reason, they don't fit quite by the rules that everyone else seems to play to. Fair enough. Uh, before we get to, I have this Blue Jays note that I want to talk about, but before we get to that, been some issues recently on Apple Podcasts. So just wanted to remind everyone that you can follow and stream this podcast, Fantasy Baseball Today and Fantasy Baseball Today in Five on Spotify. You know, look, you've all heard of Spotify. You can go there. A lot of people use it for music. You can use it for podcasts as well. So make sure to, uh, if you you need to listen to the podcast without any issues recently, you can do so on Spotify. The note that I wanted to bring up about the Blue Jays, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had a double dong on Monday. He's now tied for the league lead in home runs. He has 15. He's awesome. Tied for second in RBI. He has 39. He's batting 333 with an 1104 OPS. Uh, The ground ball rate is up in May, 51%, but... He is sixth in baseball in average exit velocity on fly balls and line drives, which helps mitigate ground balls, obviously. I wanted to bring this up because we didn't talk about it, but starting June 1st, the Blue Jays will go back to playing in Buffalo, which is Salem Field, which is where they played last year, which according to Park Factors, ranked ninth in runs and 27th in home runs. So far this year in uh, Dunedin, where they are playing, that park ranks number one in park factors for runs and number three in home runs. The Blue Jays as a team have the highest OPS at home this season at 840. Vlad Jr., this was entering uh, Monday's action, was batting 411 with a 1377 OPS in Dunedin. Bo Bichette was batting 310 with a 961 OPS in Dunedin. Just a 235 batting average with a 660 OPS on the road. So I just thought that I would bring it up because they are moving their home park to Buffalo again, starting on June 1st. So I don't know if you actually want to sell high on Vlad or Bo Bichette because it seems foolish, but I thought I would bring it up. I, I, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't much of a sample last year to really fairly assess Buffalo. I don't feel like uh, the dimensions I think are pretty favorable. I think they're actually, yeah, they, they look pretty favorable. to me. Like it, it seems like it should be a hitter-friendly environment. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, could be wrong about that, but... Frank, you said it was ninth in runs? Yes. Uh, so, I mean, we're, we're talking about really, really small sample sizes. Typically, mm-hmm. you want three years yeah. for park factors to kind of separate the noise out. Um, and to be fair, we're, we're basically comparing the same time period from last season to yeah. this season. It's two months of baseball, so. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe maybe there's something there. They do play five more games at home, I, I would think, than on the road moving forward. I, I would think, um, you know, it'll play better than average. You know, it'll play better than the average road park or the median road park. So I, I don't think there's much actionable. I, I do think Bo Bichette might be a sell-high candidate, but... He's made me look real stupid on that one all year. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think anyone wants to go out on a limb and, and take the stance of selling high on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. right now. It's just not somewhere you want to be. Uh, some waiver wire hitters from Monday will start in shallower leagues. Andrew Vaughn went two for three with his fourth home run. He's homered now in back to back days. Both have come off of lefties. 
and he is actually hitting 290 with a, a 1081 OPS against lefties this season. Uh, Manuel Margot looks like he's heating back up. He went two for six with three RBI and sixth with his sixth steal of the season. Uh, Tommy Pham went one for four with his second home run. The underlying numbers remain really good for him. It, it just hasn't really happened for him. Uh, and Avisael Garcia has now homered in back-to-back games. Vaughn, Margot, Pham, Garcia. Any interest in shallower-ish leagues? Yeah, I, I well, I in, in, in Pham, I actually did pick him up in a 12-team Roto League where he was dropped. Uh, it looks like he's slowly coming around. And I do like him more than Avisal Garcia, who's the one I wanted to highlight here. Because Avisal Garcia's, his numbers look really good too. He's, that was his fifth home run in May. He's batting over 320 for the month. Uh, actually, if you go look at the site, you'll see I wrote an article about offense being up in May and I have like a list of 40 hitters whose numbers have been way up in May versus April. So you can see them all side by side. Avisal Garcia is on that list. Uh, and the expected stats, is it uh, entering today an expected batting average of 275, expected slug of 499? That, that's Both of those are significantly better than his actual numbers. He's a guy I liked a lot heading into last year going to a really hitter-friendly environment. And I may have just been a year early on him because he's looking really good. And he's playing more consistently than it was at the start of the season, too. And, and I think, like, the most likely outcome, I, I think, is probably just what he did in 2019. And he had 20 homers and 10 steals in 125 games while hitting 282. That's a mm-hmm. must-start Roto player. Some hitters in deeper leagues. Brad Miller, who has four position eligibilities, who went two for three with what? A sock and a shoe. That's right. He's up to (laughs) five home runs and three steals to this point for Brad Miller. Love it. He is 6% rostered. Ahmed Rosario now has 10 hits, including two steals over his last six games. Freddie Galvez has eight hits with two homers over his last six games. And Trevor Larnick went one for three with his second home run of the season. Both of his home runs have been off of lefties. This time against John Means, 112 mile per hour exit velocity. 460 feet to straightaway center. So some uh, some real power there in the bat for Larnick. He had three home runs off lefties in his minor league career and about 170-something plate appearances. So small sample size, but you know we'll see. I, I really don't get the lack of enthusiasm for him in fantasy being only 17% rostered. He hasn't gotten off to a sizzling start. I get that, but he hasn't looked overmatched either. Uh, like, you know, it's not like he's been striking out all the time. Yeah. And like he's 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 a second tier prospect, you know. He's not Alex Kirilov, but he's it was everybody's top one hundred for the past two to three years. So like legit prospect here. I'm I'm just surprised. Uh, I'm not saying he needs to be eighty percent rostered or anything, but probably closer to like fifty than seventeen. It seems it seems weird that Larnak is that low. I I think it's the playing time, Scott. Not that it's been an issue yet, but. If Buxton returns, it could be no, hard for true. him to stay in the lineup. So I think people might be worried about that with him. Though, look, again, if you have him in Keeper or Dynasty, he's he's flashed a little bit here. So I think they do have something. Some Monday hitter standouts. If there's anything that you guys want to uh, talk about further, just feel free to interrupt. Alex Kirilov has five hits in four games since returning from the IL. He's 80% rostered. That number should probably be closer to 100. Jared Kelnick destroyed his second home run of the season. It came off of Frankie Montas. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel went three for five with his third home run. He has 16 hits over his last nine games. 
Ryan McMahon went one for three with his 12th homer. It was his third off of a lefty this season. Gene Segura went two for five. Low key, he's batting 331. Didn't even realize that, so shout out to Gene Segura. Anthony Santander returned over the weekend. He has eight hits in four games since returning from the IL. He is uh, 78% rostered. So a lot of people actually held on to Santander, who was great last season. I need to see Ryan McMahon continue to hit well. You know, moving forward, because he's been like a 740-ish OPS bat so far in the month of... 730-ish OPS bat so far in the month of May. I think his line now is 237, 298, 434, which is not that far off from what Ryan McMahon had been uh, prior to April, really. Uh, he still had the good, the better plate discipline, so that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. The, the strike mm-hmm. at rates stayed right around 21%, so that's a good and sign. And the fly ball rate, it looks yeah. like, has remained higher than, you know, that was a problem for him in the past, too. But he's another one of those guys I'm having trouble ranking right now because, you know, I want I moved him up quite a bit in April, and it's I've kind of kept moving him up, even though in May he hasn't really deserved it so i i would feel a lot better if the next two weeks went well for him and, and also i'll throw out uh he was in the previous segment but I, I think Ahmed rosario might be a thing i don't know if he's like a very good thing but i think he's got three steals over his last 12 games he's uh got a, a handful of multiple hit games in there his expected batting average is like 270 um I think in Roto Leagues as a middle infielder, I think he can be a a reasonably useful option. Some uh, tidbits from starting pitchers on Monday. Brandon Woodruff, might as well bring him up, hour in, uh, up against the Padres. Seven shutout with eight strikeouts to zero walks. He has a 1.41 ERA and a 0.70 whip. So Brandon Woodruff has been amazing. Trevor Rogers, he allowed two runs, one run, uh, one of those was earned with five strikeouts over five innings pitch. Zach Eflin had a quality start, although he gave up four runs. Only three of those were earned. Six strikeouts over six innings pitch. John Means, seven innings, two runs, five strikeouts. Uh, the ERA is down to 1.79, though he has a 3.75 XFIP. And then Yusei Kikuchi, six innings, one run with three strikeouts against Oakland. And Frankie Montas on the other side, six innings, four runs, 11 strikeouts. His ERA is 4.92. I don't think Frankie Montas is a drop candidate, but I feel like we're kind of teetering there. Like he's he's yeah. on the fringe. Yeah, he's really tough to figure out because he's missed his, his his he had twenty one swinging strikes today. I don't know where that came from. Eleven were on the splitter. The splitter the splitter has actually been more effective this year than it was two years ago. But everything everything's just so topsy turvy with him. His ERA. And for May, entering this start was 322, even though the swinging strikes were way down in May. And then, of course, he had this 21 swinging strike. I don't know. He's just like, there's so many contradictions there. Remember in 2019 also, the ground ball rate was really high for Montas. The ground ball rate is very low for him now. So, yeah. He just gets hit real hard. He might be like in the Kevin Gosman thing where he just needs to start throwing his splitter like 40% of the time. And until he does, it's just going to be... Really frustrating. Yeah. Um, Maybe. He's outside Maybe. of my top 60 pitchers now, starting pitchers. I wanted to mention Trevor Rogers' velocity was down like a mile per hour and a half today. It's not a problem in, unless it continues, but it's worth mentioning. 
The call to the pens and bullpen updates for Cleveland. We figured James Karinczak would not be available on Monday, and he was not. Emmanuel Class A picked up his eighth save, though he did allow a single and two walks in a one-run game. It was a little shaky. I'll leave it there. For the his whip is really high, and it just got higher. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for the Orioles, Cesar Valdez came on in the eighth with runners on first and third in a one-run game. He allowed three hits and four runs to come across. And Scott, I know we were talking before, and you said Valdez has been a little shaky in the month of May. I don't know if there's anybody mm-hmm. else to target in the Orioles' bullpen, but... Oh, I was in the middle of looking it up, and I didn't finish it. I don't know either. Nah, um, Tanner, Tanner Scott was also bad today. Paul Fry has the best ERA in the pen, but uh, you're talking about a 28-year-old lefty, so I don't think he's a closer candidate. And Tanner Scott has 16 walks and 18 innings, so that was coming into today. So I kind of think it's probably just uh, Valdez. I saw recently that Hunter Harvey, I think, is getting closer to returning, but... Obviously, he's dealt with a ton of injuries and, and inconsistency so far as well. For the Rockies, Carlos Estevez picked up his second save with Daniel Bard being used on back-to-back days entering Monday. And it looks like Estevez might be the next man up if something were to happen to Daniel Bard, like him being extremely bad. For the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano struck out the side in the ninth in a tie game. Don't know if there's anything there, but I don't know why they don't just use him. He's been very good. For the Brewers, Josh Hader allowed a run, but converted his 11th save of the season. To stream or not to stream for Tuesday, Logan Gilbert at the A's, Cole Irvin versus the Mariners, Andrew Heaney versus the Rangers, Garrett Richards versus the Braves, Tarek Skubal versus Cleveland, and Jake Arrieta at the Pirates. Irvin, Skubal, Heaney. Skubal, Heaney, Irvin. <laughs> for Wednesday, Johnny Cueto at the Diamondbacks, Merrill Kelly versus the Giants, Luis Garcia versus the Dodgers, Griffin Canning versus the Rangers, James Carpillion versus the Mariners, and John Gant. If he's on the mound, I gotta ask. He's at the White Sox. <laughs> uh, Caprillion. Could we move one of uh, one of Heaney, Scooble, or Irvin to <laughs> Wednesday? Uh, I, I like Caprillion against the Mariners. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, uh, I know Griffin Canning's last start out was pretty bad, but Texas mm-hmm. is not a bad matchup. No. Yeah, and I don't really want to pick a third. I guess Luis Garcia against the Dodgers if I have to. I obviously don't like that matchup, though. John Gant's just going to go out there and throw <laughs> five innings and allow one run on three uh-huh. hits while walking four. <laughs> that, just, that, he's just going to do it, guys. That sounds That's all like he a- does. That that is officially the the John Gant. You you allow one run over five with with four plus walks. That's that's a John Gant. Uh, we'll wrap up with some team name Tuesday. These are from David P for Pavetta. Yep. Matthew Boyd meets girl. Sure. From Terry Bieber likes Romano. It's yummy. I think this. Yeah. Is, I don't get that one. I think this is a Justin Bieber has a song called Yummy. Is that what that is? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, you said yup very confidently, so I thought you knew what it was. But. I just wanted to move on. <laughs> oh, well, no, just because, you know, Romano yeah. is yummy. It's no, it's a great yeah. cheese. <laughs> That's very fair. Uh, from Jose, please yimmy chocolate. Yep. That's a stretch. Back, back from the Graveman. I like it. All, this is the best one, though. All rum is good drum. That's very good. <laughs> from Jack. Karen check, baby check, baby one, two, three, four. Sure. These boots were Maeda for walking. Yep. And Jonesh weep the leg. Yep. 
<laughs> From Sam, I have Corbin Burns and Jordan Alvarez on my dynasty team, and I'm debating between two team names. Can you help me settle on one? I'm between third degree Burns and our Jordan Savior. Our Jordan Savior. It's a dynasty league. He, he's gonna. He's got a, a you know a longer future. I just think it's the better name too, so I, I would go with that one. Uh, from Nicholas Madabadu. <laughs> That's very good. That's very stupid and very good. Uh, from Ben, when I say you say you say Kikuchi. Yep. From Alex Neris Bueller's day off. Yeah. Oh, you get two names in there in a way that actually doesn't muck it up. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah. From Chris, not Towers, up Bichette's Creek, Creek without an Enor. Mm. <laughs> nah. Yeah, I, I think the last name, there's a better one. You got to find a better one there, but I, I like where you're headed. Yeah, I, I like it too. Uh, I like the ones that try too hard, actually. Those are, those are my favorites. Uh, from Alfonso, Gary, Nate, and Matt Olson. Um, uh, it's like Gary, Ma- Nate. It's like Mary, Kate, and, and Ashley Olson. Oh, Eh, that's that you, you you need the you need a good logo to kind of explain the team name. That's that's one of those situations. Yeah. We'll we'll work on that. Yeah. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one out here. Scott's wearing his lost t-shirt. I finished lost last night. I very much enjoyed it. Here's my team name. Live together, dime alone. All right. It's <laughs> a good one. We're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I'm Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.